Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. I'm Jordan Rich, and the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia invites you to join us on the podcast. If you or someone you care about has a story to tell, we'd consider featuring it right here on Dyslexics Wanted. So before we get started with today's show, send us your story. Email me directly. Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, at chartproductions, C-H-A-R-T productions.com, or you can call and leave a message, 781-356-1500. Again, 781-356-1500. Today's guest did just that. He wrote to us, and we are thrilled to have him, Zachary Wingate. He says his mission is to take what he has learned along the way in his early childhood, through academia, and in the workplace, and he's here to help support other dyslexics to better understand what steps they can take and how to hone in on what gifts and talents they do have. You'll hear us talk about his story, about his educational background, which includes a BS at the University of the Ozarks, an MA from the University of Denver. He also served in the Peace Corps for two years in China, and he'll fill us in on how he negotiates the workplace. He has a terrific job, by the way. So it's time to hear Zachary's story right here on Dyslexics Wanted. Zach, first of all, thank you for sharing your story with us here on the podcast. We really appreciate it, man. It's not a problem. Happy to be here. So you're going to tell us your story, and it starts early, as most of these do, in second grade. That's when you're diagnosed. Tell us what you remember about that. Uh, you know, second grade is kind of that transition point where, you know, education becomes a little bit more intense. And, uh, you know, I started to really get to a point where I was falling a little bit behind, um, and I wasn't able to process like everyone else. And essentially, they moved me over to special ed. And, um, you know, there, you know, some issues started arising because my parents didn't understand why I was falling behind. And I had a teacher at the time, and her name was Miss Carrie. And I got really lucky because Miss Carrie had a son who was diagnosed with dyslexia. And as a result of that, she started to see the patterns and make notes of it. And from that point, you know, my parents started to become really aware of it. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of kids with dyslexia who've been in special ed and, you know, those moments can be a little bit trying and, you know, they kind of takes a hit to your self-confidence. As a result of that and the knowledge of Miss Carrie, kind of getting a better understanding about dyslexia, I was able to, to leverage it, but I also got lucky again. Because in the next town over, there was, a, there was a school called Clear Spring School, and I went there and I worked one-on-one with a phonics teacher, and her mm. name was Nancy Wood, and she worked with me and really helped me learn how to read. Mm. Um, I, I got lucky in the fact that it was an early diagnosis. I got lucky that I had a school very close to me that could accommodate my needs, and one of the most interesting things about that story is my mom, in turn, learned that she had dyslexia, because oh. she had been, yeah, she'd been struggling mm. with it for about that point, you know, close to 45 years, you know, she's a nurse and she just thought there was something wrong with her. So it, it was kind of an interesting moment for both of us because we kind of started our journey in understanding how to deal with dyslexia. I always ask the question about your family support and you wrote to me and said you had a lot of it, but boy, that's a different kind of support when your mom realizes it and there's that empathetic connection between the two of you at that point, I'm sure. It's true. And, and it really helped because then she could put herself in my shoes. And mm. I think you know, your family and your community um, can really benefit you in those situations. 
and she was able to do that. Zach, you said uh, more than once that you were lucky, and I will agree, you were in the right place at the right time. But what I was most impressed with was how quickly those names of those two particular teachers rolled off your tongue. You never forget the people who step in to help you in a situation like this, do you? No, no. You don't, and you, you never forget the people who want to put the time and effort into you. I think that's probably what's really powerful, you know, growing up is seeing what, what it can do when someone cares about you and they want they want your best interest at heart. What was dyslexia for you defined as? Was it particularly just difficulty reading? Was it language skills? Was it writing or a combination? What was it? Oh, man, it's all of those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think dyslexia to me was a barrier, you know, and, and, and it was it was something that really took a lot to get over. Because then I had to transition to a new school, um, and then I'm working through it, you know, and I failed third grade. So when I failed third grade, it really started to sink in that I was kind of going to have a challenging time. And uh, I remember very specifically because when I failed third grade, my mom kind of looked at me and was like, you know, you're just going to have to work harder than everyone else. And you can either accept that or you can sit here and feel sorry for yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's a choice that you make. And uh, at a young age, it was a very powerful lesson to learn. Yeah, you grow up a little faster because you kind of have to. And and yeah. one one of the things that is universal is the pressures we all feel when we're in school, whatever grade we're in. But there's that added super pressure that you're falling behind and you, you have to work harder. And the question is always about peers and friends or non-friends. How was it in terms of your social life in school at that time? Well, there's a lot of research that indicates that when you have dyslexia or learning disability, there's two routes. There's two routes you go down, you either become a bully or a class clown because you're trying to seek that, uh, seek that attention and approval. And I ended up being the class clown. So I use humor as a way to kind of engage and feel normal, you know, and I think that's kind of what I was able to do and make friends because I, I had value add to the group and I could make people laugh, make my teachers laugh. And I kind of realized at that point, if, if, if I can have the teachers like me then they're willing to work with me on certain areas and they might not be as hard in grading. So at a very young age, I was like, maybe I can work with people more to kind of get an outcome. Like you, although I don't have dyslexia, I went the class clown route because it was a great way to ingratiate myself. And uh, you do what you have to do in the case of a Zach Wingate at that young age. You do what you have to do to survive. I guess, huh? Yeah, and you want to have fun. I mean, the thing is, is like, you don't want to sit around and feel sorry for yourself all the time because that's just a waste of time. We're going to move forward shortly to your professional life, and you have some very strong opinions about how people deal with this in the workplace. But weren't you told by those in authority that higher education was not a good idea for you? And how did you respond to that? Yeah, I think, you know, by the time I got to high school, there it was very evident that I was just not at the same level of everyone else. And my teachers just warned me, you know, they were like, you know, you, you probably won't make it in a university environment. You know, you can't learn like everyone else, you know. And when I took my ACT test, I took it two times. The first time they let me take it on tape so I could listen to it. And I only scored about an 18 on it. And at the time in Arkansas, you know, that was barely enough to get into school. And then I took my ACTs again, and I fell asleep in the middle of it. Hmm. So it, w it was a situation where it was a struggle. I was struggling, but I really wanted to go to school because I wanted to further my education. Um, and, and at that point, you know, my teachers just didn't feel confident with me going. Um, and about that time, too, I, I just got testing to determine if I could go to university. 
And, um, you know, what my key, what the tester told me for dyslexia is that I read on a seventh grade level. I'm trying to go to college reading on a seventh grade level, and that's not always the best thing. So it was it was definitely a moment where, you know, I was like, man, you know, what what is going on here? You know, why is this? You have those moments where it's like, why is it happening to me? But I think, you know, the story goes back to my mom is, you know, she always used to read me a story about a little train going up a hill. And the train would say, I think I can, I think I can. <laughs> yeah. And and that mentality was really put into me at a young age that, you know, y- you might not be able to do it like everybody else, but you can still do it. You can still work toward your goals. You might have to work harder in some situations, in other situations you won't. So you just got to be, you got to essentially be ready for the battle. You know, you can't, you know, let it defeat you. Well, uh, let's just tell the audience they may have heard my introduction, but in case they missed it, you did receive your BS at the University of the Ozarks and a master's degree from the University of Denver. So those teachers who didn't think you could do it obviously approved them wrong, and we're very happy about that at this point. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah. Those moments were great moments, you know, especially when you can just sit back and look at your accomplishments and know, you know, I, I can do it. I can, you know, mm. and I got lucky too at the university of Ozarks too, because they have a special learning center there called the Jones learning center. Mm-hmm. And it was started to help kids with special needs. So they, they have a facility there where teachers would work with me to bring me tests. You know, they would read tests to me. I would get extended time and I had an army of tutors that could work with me one-on-one and kind of teach me what, what I wasn't getting in the classroom. What you gain, of course, is a college degree, but a great education. And you prove over and over again, people in your position, that it's not a question of intelligence or creativity or ability. It's a question of an issue. you got to work around. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, when you look at the, you know, I think when you look at great minds who are dyslexic, like a Steve Jobs or, you know, someone who was facing adversity but they use it to their advantage. As a result of having that adversity, you can see the world in a different way, especially at a young age when you fail so much. What that does is allow you to deal with failure better, but as a result of dealing with failure, then success is easier to maneuver. Mm. Let's talk about what you do now for a career and the implications of dyslexia in your life. First, fill us in on where you are these days. Okay. Well, currently, I'm working in a business environment role. And a lot of what I do is, is market research and I, and well as interacting with people, talking to them and having conversations on the phone. So I work with a team of sales reps and what I do is provide them intelligence, business intelligence on what opportunities to go after, who to talk to, who to network with. And I really work with them to give them all the information to be successful. And the, and the the best part about it is I don't have to do a lot of reading and writing. And the majority of the time I'm talking with people and connecting the dots. And it allows me to really be strategic in the way I go about my work. And, um, you know, there's really no wrong way to do it as long as you have a result at the end of the tunnel. And that's what makes it a little bit better. So, so your skill set would definitely be interpersonal communication, one-on-one, human beings interacting. All the way. I mean, that's <laughs> going to that's gonna be the thing that gets me across the goal line, you know. Right. Let's talk, though, about the challenges for someone in a traditional workplace. You've got a good deal that you carved out because you've worked hard to get there. But a lot of people who have dyslexia, man, they, they're faced with the day-to-day issue of reading memos or doing anything that most office workers are expected to do. How do they deal with this? You got to be your best advocate. You got to be able to communicate first of all, you know, to your colleagues what what the issue is you have. 
And I would suggest doing that in the interview to set all the expectations out on the table. Let them know what you're dealing with. You know, tell them this is how I work. These are my problems. And if you're willing to take a risk on me, I will provide you results. But it's going to be a different approach. Um, so you got to be your best advocate, number one. Number two, you have to already know the tools that can help you. If it's reading software, if it's talk to text, you know, anything that can help you be more effective in the environment. And I think three, you really have to know what you're good at. You really have to be very aware of what you're bringing into the table. So it goes back into your best advocate so you can communicate to them, you know, I can do this. I'm tr I've proven it and I know it's a value to the team. And then... The fourth thing that I say is communicate with the people around you so you know their skill sets. You know, the best part about having dyslexia is everybody can read and write. So, you know, it really allows you to lean on other people for help too sometimes. So Indeed. I think yeah. if you if you can do those approaches, it'll it'll make it a little bit easier, you know, but it is it's navigating the system. Um I have a story, I was in a, I was actually an English teacher in China for a Peace Corps. And um, you know, it was something really intense for me because I didn't know what to expect. I really wanted to travel. I wanted to go overseas, but I didn't know how teaching English would transfer because obviously I have some issues there. Luckily, it was spoken English. Um, and I was stuck giving, you know, a two-week course where I was teaching. And as a result of teaching, I had to do my own class and I got a lot of anxiety. Um, so I taught the class. I went through the process. And in that moment, I was being monitored by an instructor. And after I got done from the class, you know, really well, and the instructor looked at me and said, you know, I had no idea you had a learning disability. I was like, what? So from the way he watched, he could tell that I had dyslexia. And what he told me is, you know, don't worry about that. You know, you're going to be a rock star, work with the kids, teach them, and, and, and take your best approach. You know, tailor it to the way you teach, and you'll be fine. And, you know, I was able to do that, and, you know, I taught a lot of kids English in China, a lot of college students, and they learned from it, and they had good test grades. So once again, it was a moment to where you could kind of look back and say, you know, I could have looked at this and said, no, I can't do it. But instead, I was like, I have to find my own unique style in it. And, and that can kind of transfer over. Two things, Zach. One, thank you for your service in the Peace Corps. That's that's something to be very proud of. And two, the way you're talking now, I'm just going to go out on a limb and suggest you've helped others. You really have a great message. Have you been able to share it? Yeah, but it, yeah, I work with, you know, I work with a lot of people. I work one-on-one, -on -one. you know, I, I really do believe in mentoring. I think it's a process of sharing knowledge, you know, coaching people who do have learning disabilities to kind of get to a point to where they feel more comfortable and confident. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely something really important to me. You know, I do it cross realms, you know, I used to be work, you know, with people facing career issues, you know, getting on the phone and talking with them about how they can kind of develop a better approach to working on a team. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's how dyslexic people become more efficient is by, by kind of handing off the baton of what they can do to strive for more. I think that's fabulous. And may I also compliment your bride? I believe she's a big help in just communication the old-fashioned way. Oh, my gosh, yes. She's probably one of the... <laughs> You know, it's so funny, you know, I I started dating her and then I realized she was a great writer. And for me, you know, it, it's so awesome to see that talent and that ability to, to come through in so many ways um, because she can just sit down and write it out. And I'm like, wow, you know, to have that ability is incredible. And 
she's amazing. So it, I, I really enjoy it. Mm. We all have our gifts. And I think the fact that people with learning disabilities are finally coming out of that era of stigma, still a long way to go, but it's so refreshing to hear from you with your perspective going through the schools and now in work, how it's working out for you. And uh, what final message would you have to parents out there with kids who are diagnosed with dyslexia now that you've been through what you have? I think to be very, very patient and supportive and really try to understand what their sons or daughters are, are really excel at and focus on that, you know, giving them a lot of opportunities if it's sports or music or anything of that realm because they need that confidence to teach them how to deal with other issues. They need to know how to be good at something because it can kind of transfer through in other ways. And um, I think that's a really good approach. Um, and I think it's something my family did. You know, I played drums. I played a lot of music. And, you know, playing music gave me confidence because my schoolwork certainly didn't. And I think it, it was able to leverage my abilities in other ways. So I think that's something that's really important. When I talk to parents, you know, I tell them, you know, focus on what your kids are good at. Allow them to really excel in it. And then let them know that, you know, that's something that can, that can get them to where they need to be in life. Zach, we want to thank you so much for coming forward, for reaching out to me and to our production staff and reaching out with your story. You've been absolutely terrific to talk with, and I wish you all the very, very best. Any final thoughts? Well, you know, I just, I really appreciate this podcast. I think, you know, you going in and having these one-on-one conversations with people with dyslexia is really valuable. Um, I don't think there's, you know, there's not a lot of stages where people can talk and converse about their issues. So I just want to thank you for letting me come on the show. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately my biggest message is, you know, don't let things stop you just because you have dyslexia and don't let the fear overcome. You know, I think anybody can push through what they need to push through. Just remain consistent and diligent. And I really think that's what's going to push you across the goal line for success. Thanks once again for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. We're seeking personal stories about your dyslexia journey and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we would consider featuring it on this podcast. Send the story to me, Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart is spelled C-H-A-R-T. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast, available on all major web platforms. Once again, for much more, visit WICD.org. That's WICD.org.